It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And Jill, I have a story to read to you for Cookie Lab today. It's story time. It is. And you'll find out why. I want to read to you a little bit of If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Love it. By Laura Joffe Numeroff, illustrated by Felicia Bond. I can picture the mouse. Yeah. And it's a preschool book. Mm -hmm. And it begins, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. Mm -hmm. And when you give him the milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw. (laughs) When he's finished, he'll ask for a napkin. He's an exceptionally tidy mouse. Then he will want to look in a mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. See? Now, doesn't that raise a question for you? Well, I've not known mice to drink through straws. That was kind of the first question I had. (laughs) Or ask for a cookie. Right, right, right. Uh, But let's assume that they have all these anthropomorphic abilities. Okay. You wouldn't get a milk mustache drinking through a straw i didn't even think of that mind blown yeah mind blown how many times have you listeners read that book and did that ever occur to you it occurred to me the first time i ever (laughs) read it to my child (laughs) well today's cookie is the famous nilla wafer who does not love nilla wafers which is not featured in If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. No, it looks like a chocolate chip cookie in the book. But sometimes what you need is a Nilla wafer. Yeah, but if you give a cookie lab scientist a Nilla wafer, he's going to want to make banana pudding. What? And so this is the beginning of a two-part series featuring the Nilla wafer. This week is plain Nilla wafer. If you gave me a Nilla wafer, I would want to be sitting in the den of my childhood home watching something on the newly acquired cable TV. (laughs) I don't think I'd be thinking about banana pudding, but let's go. Okay, well, Nilla wafers are a key ingredient Mm -hmm. in banana pudding. Mm -hmm. And I love banana pudding, and Mm -hmm. I associate them together. Mm -hmm. So this week, Nilla wafers. Next week... Banana pudding cookies. Fantastic. And this week is also special because it's Halloween. It is officially Halloween. So are they spooky Nilla wafers? Well, there's nothing spooky about the Nilla wafer in its history, in its science. But if you place two Nilla wafers on the eyes of... Of a sleeping, unsuspected <laughs> parent, <laughs> they kind of look like a corpse. <laughs> Let me tell you about my Halloween plans, Chris. <laughs> my costume consists of a hat. Congra- uh, excellent. And, and my dog's costume consists of a hat. She yes. will be Curious George because she is brown. Yes. And I purchased her a knitted snood with monkey ears to cover her triangular dog ears. Yes. And I will be the man with the yellow hat, and I have a yellow cowboy hat. But there's another kind of hat that you might not know about. It's the Nilla Wafer top hat. Do you know about it? No, not at all. Okay, well, my most admired internet tainers, Rhett and Link. Sure, yeah. 
they used to do a bit where you could just give, I think you would, people were supposed to just give them words and they had to write a song about it. Rhett and Link? The yes. Good Mythical Morning? Yes. All right. So, I only know them from from tasting things. Well, they also write songs. And so you could look up Nilla Wafer Top Hat Time. Okay. Someone told them to write a song with those words in it. And it goes like this. Nilla Wafer Top Hat Time. It's the time you wear a top hat made of Nilla Wafers, <laughs> etc. <laughs> so I recommend that if you're stuck Halloween is tomorrow if you don't have a costume yet Nilla wafer top hat time okay make perfect. the Nilla wafers glue them to a top hat you're done I am all set for my what could I do it as a cowboy hat and make it a, a top hat I don't see why not okay. I'm making my yellow straw cowboy hat into a man with a yellow hat hat which is not a cowboy hat at all Halloween is a time for imagination imagination creativity using what right. you have on hand yeah you could make a spooky face out of a bunch of nilla wafers yes and you could probably drizzle icing on them to make them look like a spider or yeah. a mummy yeah 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 or a rock <laughs> if you're a charlie brown <laughs> I got fan a rock. Yeah. yeah yeah so um there, there is our Halloween uh, tribute. Spooktacular. Spooktacular. <laughs> uh, featuring the Nilla wafer and its thousand and one possibilities. But, Jill, there's more. I'm sure there's a, you're going to tell me the history of the Nilla wafer, the, I hope. Yeah. Invented by Gustav A. Mayer, a confectioner from... Staten Island, New York City. Wow. The source of many great foods. Well, not really New York City, but uh, New York. Staten well, Island, Staten New Island York is too. a borough of New York City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He invented it sometime before 1898. That's when my grandma Sophie was born, which I feel like I might have mentioned on this podcast before. Hey, shout out to grandma Sophie. Yeah. And in fact, he sold it. To the National Biscuit Company, aka 18... Nabisco. Yes, in 1898, and the shortened name, as you've just shared, Nabisco, that we know today. The first item that they marketed as Nabisco were the Nabisco vanilla wafers. Okay, so that name hadn't been yet shortened. Right, exactly. That was in. 1898. Okay. They just they just took it and ran with it. Right. National Biscuit Company became Nabisco in 1898. And the first product was the Nabisco Vanilla Wafers. Okay. It wasn't until 1967 that they rebranded the cookie as the Nilla Wafer. So you're older than the Nilla Wafer. I am older than <laughs> the Nilla Wafer. But not as In old fact, as Grandma Sophie. when I was one, I had to suck on vanilla, vanilla wafers. And I said to my mom, more Nilla Wafer. Oh, are you? The... And that's where it came from. I thought you were going to say, I said to my mom, keep your paws off my <laughs> Nilla Wafers. <laughs> I bet you're wondering why these cookies are called wafers. Well, they're not too too terribly dissim dissimilar from the famous chocolate wafer, the, which is very very thin. Yeah. These are not as thin as what a or wafer crispy. should be. Yeah, yeah. As you think of as a wafer, yeah. well, a wafer 
in the culinary term is a small sweet cake. Mm, okay. So these are a little cakey. They're, they should be a little so crispy. So the thinness is not inherent to the definition of wafer. Right. And as a little sneak peek into next week, in 1940, Nabisco began printing a recipe for a banana pudding on the boxes of the Nabisco vanilla wafer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The rest is history. And the rest is deliciousness. Yes. Yeah. Would you like to taste the Nilla wafer that I made gluten-free? I really do want to taste it. It looks golden brown and delicious. It is golden brown. It is hopefully still slightly crispy. It is much larger than a Nilla wafer. It is wafer. much it's too like large. Two. It's like two. But, but you that's could, my you own could, fault. You could, yeah, you could just use less dough. Yeah. It said to use a certain amount, and I put that certain amount on the baking tray. And it came up larger than I thought. But it also said you could pipe the dough onto the tray to make it like bite size and to make it smaller or whatever. So, but like, isn't it? Couldn't it maybe be someone's dream to have like a large vanilla, a large vanilla wafer? Can I eat the cookie? Are you ready to cook to cookie it? Let's cookie. All right, here we go. We're really trying to remember what a Nilla wafer tastes like. I think you've done it. I think it's really good. I might even like it better. I don't know. I think it should It should probably be a little crisper, yeah? I agree. Okay. A little crisper. It's a fine line in making these. If I think if I made them smaller, I could make them crisper because they would bake quicker. I had to bake this a little longer than the recipe called for. Because, because they were so big. Yeah, and I was going for the nice golden brown color. Yeah. So if I made them a little smaller, I could make them a little crisper, and I think they'd be perfect. So when you when you do it, you uh, want to make them about the size of a quarter. So no, tiny. No, that's, that's too small. Um, about an inch. And then it'll spread a little bit? And then it spreads a little bit. Just it a little bit. It doesn't spread very much. And then bake them, as the recipe says. I can see and some lovely air bubbles in that one that you're there eating. Is, there are lovely air bubbles in it. It's nicely cakey. It's somewhat crisp on the on the bottom. Yes. Uh, and you can taste the butter and the vanilla. Mm-hmm. Very buttery. Very simple. Not even super vanilla-y. It had a lot of vanilla in it. Did it? Yeah. Thus, the Nilla wafer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, these would be fun to eat just regularly. Just... You know, just have a Nilla wafer lying around. I would, your... I would eat it at any time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in have my, it's up my alley. While you're eating that, I'll tell you a little bit of very exciting science. You know that vanilla comes from Madagascar. Yes, and a bean. Yes, and the bean grows on a plant. Yes, and in order to get, so the... it's like a salad. Right, it is. So vanilla for <laughs> Nilla wafers are really just a salad food. And it's a plant, right? And that plant, in order to get the bean, where does the bean come from? The plant. Yes, but what part of the plant? First it's flowers and then it becomes a fruit. Yeah, the flower has to be pollinated in order to get the seeds. And who pollinates the flower? Bees? No. Vanilla bees? No. Are you about to blow my mind with more fascinating insect science on Cookie Lab? No.
pollinates it? People. What? Yeah. With like teeny tiny microscopic. Just paintbrushes, little fake, little paintbrushes. Well, who figured that out, and how long ago? Well, that I can't tell you, but it happened on the island of Madagascar, and the Madagascar vanilla farmers realized that they could keep their vanilla pure, and they could get a lot more of it on a regular basis if they hand pollinated it. I never knew this. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons it's so expensive. Yes, it is expensive. So there's farmers with tiny paintbrushes pollinating the pure Madagascar vanilla plants. All all the vanilla plants around the world that are grown are hand-pollinated. But who figured that out? Like, who was like, I'm, I'm looking at this plant. I wonder if I go at it with a paintbrush, I'll get something delicious uh, to uh, make Madagascar. cookies with. So it happened after a volcanic explosion and the vanilla crop was doing very poorly. Okay. And so they hand pollinated it and whoosh magic. They just So so did it very was well. already being pollinated by something else, it was just being, not prolifically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, you would get cross pollinations of different types and um, so the vanilla wasn't as pure and it wasn't as good as it is now. How unusual is that? Like are there other Crops that are hand pollinated? I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners can call in and tell yes, us. Yes, please do. I'd inquiring minds want to know. Also, it takes about five to seven pounds of green vanilla beans to produce one pound of processed vanilla. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it is like the outside of it, and the vanilla is you scrape out. Yep. They call it the seeds, but it's like a paste. Right. And you know, it has to all that bean has to be dried and. It probably shrinks down. It's yeah, and it's very prone to fermentation. Oh, that that wouldn't be something they would want. You don't want that, yeah. Right. So that's uh, yet another reason why vanilla is one of the most expensive spices in the world, second only to saffron. I bet that's hand pollinated. I'm just mad about saffron. (laughs) I've got a song for everything. However, today, Jill. Less than 1% of the total global market in vanilla is actually sourced from vanilla beans. What? Is it a lab chemical situation? It is a laboratory chemical. Yes. 99% is made of lab-created... Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm glad we have that. Otherwise, we would not be able to make any cookies, right? It would be unaffordable. Well, we're using pure vanilla extract. Are we? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some at the farmer's market this summer that was pretty it's probably, pretty fabulous. Probably. And you can make it yourself. Pollinated. I make I make all my own yeah, vanilla. Yeah, yeah, you put a, you put a vanilla bean in yeah. some alcohol like vodka. Vodka. And uh, you just let it sit there for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and that's and it. you know that it's done when the vodka you can't smell the vodka anymore. Mm-hmm. It takes about 6 months. Mm. So, another reason yet why Vanilla extract is so expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes months to produce. So, uh, vanilla is the plant. Vanillin is one of up to 250 chemical compounds that can make up the flavor we know as vanilla. So, in the late 19th century, around the time that the Nilla wafer mm-hmm. was invented, scientists figured out how to derive vanillin, the dominant 
compound that gives vanilla its signature aroma from less expensive sources. Food science in action. Yep. Interestingly, you would say, well, I would prefer the pure vanilla, please, but... But we're probably so used to the fake stuff. When used in cookies and cakes? No. The professional taste panelists that were put together have not been able to determine a difference in flavor between real and artificial vanilla because many of the ancillary flavor compounds diminish when they're heated. However, in ice cream, they could. Because it's not heated, it's colded. Yeah, yeah. Really, in ice cream, that's where you need to use the purest yeah, of vanilla. Yeah, you should save your special stuff for that. Now, interestingly, we have in our laboratory two types of vanilla. We have pure vanilla extract and we have artificial vanilla. If I want to make something that tastes like a birthday cake... Well, you talked about this a little bit already. There's a clear one. I will use the artificial clear vanilla. Okay. If I wanted to make birthday cake ice cream, I would use that. If I wanted to make birthday cake tasting cookies, I would use that. I think I can tell the difference. Maybe you can. It smells different to me, too. But apparently, it's just my imagination. If you reach for and try to take my pure vanilla extract, I will say to you, keep your paws off of my extract. Really? It's that special to you? I would share mine with you, Chris. (laughs) Okay. After I've scraped the vanilla beans (laughs) and and saturated them in vodka for six months. Of course I would share it with you. Do you scrape the vanilla beans or do you just... No, you just plunk them in. I was just trying to make it sound extra Pop the Pop the bean in the vial. Yeah, and let it sit there. Shake it. You shake it once a week for Mm -hmm. six months. Mm -hmm. God forbid you miss a week. Mm -hmm. Then you got to start all over. Or you could just go to Market Basket. Could, but during the <laughs> pandemic, it was really cool to make your own. Yeah, no, it's always cool to make your so own I've, stuff. So I've continued. All right. Well, next week on Cookie Lab, the banana pudding cookie. We have a friend called Sharon M. Yeah, Sharon M. Shout out. Sharon M. is from the South, and mm. she says that you're the way you print. Well, maybe I'll save this for the banana pudding podcast. Okay, can't wait to hear more from Sharon M. next week. (laughs) Bye, Jill. Come back and listen. Bye. It's Cookie Lab.